Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to episode 298 of Geek Town Radio. And uh, this week we have a guest co-host on, because Matt keeps on stealing all my co-hosts, so I've nicked one of his. Introducing Robert. Hey, first time, although technically not, because we did that uh, Good Omens review together. We did. Yes, that's true. We have done a few things before together. So, uh, yeah. As you can tell by the accent, he's not English. He's in America. So uh, what sort of shows are you into? Uh, What you be watching? My show's very from time to time depending what I'm doing with my life right now I'm a big fan of build it shows so shows like uh, you know counting cars fast and loud things like that where they just build stuff because so much of what I do is virtual mm. uh, that that always is fascinating probably the biggest kick I've gone on right now is the curse of Oak Island yeah. um, I think I mentioned that when we did one of our big podcasts a while back mm-hmm. uh, for those people that don't know uh, real quick synopsis of it is Oak Island is a little tiny island off the coast of Nova Scotia, and they've been treasure hunting on that island off and on for about the last 230-ish years. Come up with a ton of stuff. Uh, This is the eighth season. Uh, Here in the States, it's on the History Channel. I don't know what that equates to in the UK. It's on uh, Sky History over here. The History Channel is basically the same over here, just it's called Sky History because Sky own it in the UK. So, (laughs) Yeah. Definitely fascinating because of the amount of history that's in it. This was their eighth season they discovered a ton of stuff. They discovered a buried structure that turned out to be a pine tar kiln. So there's <laughs> massive pine tar construction on the island at some point. The swamp that kind of divides the island in half a couple seasons ago, they conclusively proved that that was artificially created. So they spent this season kind of excavating and digging that up and they found a massive cobblestone road that runs along the side of it with lots of evidence of heavy cargo transportation. Uh, rocks with giant ring bolts in them, tons of like broken ox shoes, <laughs> stuff like that. Awesome. So they've conclusively proven that something massive in terms of human activity went on this island at some point. As to who and what, that's always going to be kind of nebulous unless you find like specific documents with names and places. There's a lot of connections to the Knights Templar just because they were kind of busy in that region at the rough time frame that everything's carbon dated to. Probably the oldest thing they found throughout the run of the show was this lead cross 
that was carbon dated to a French lead mine in the 12th or 13th century. I forget which one. Um, and so then they did some research in some of that areas and they found an old castle that had a prison with that exact cross in it because it's a very uniquely shaped cross. <laughs> and that was a prison that held Knights Templars when they were under arrest in France. Ah. So there's a lot of Templar references to it. Um, it's called the Curse of Oak Island because so far in the history of the treasure hunting, six people have died in the attempt. Wow. And there's a legend that seven people have to die before the treasure can be revealed. <laughs> That's dedication to doing a TV show if you're potentially thinking one of you might die while you're doing it. <laughs> in, in the first couple, three seasons, that was a running gag to where <laughs> if they would bring in people to do like, you know, specialized in this area, specialized in this area, somebody would invariably say, yeah, we already designated him to be number seven. <laughs> um, but that got a little morbid. So they kind of went away from that in the later seasons. Yeah. I mean, if you were making that joke all the way through and then something does actually happen, that's a way to get your show canceled. Yeah, you know? <laughs> well, somebody almost actually did die. He got, they do this thing to where they uh, do borehole drills for testing. Yeah. And it also has a vacuum hose to suck out water because a lot of the digging they do in some areas, there's booby traps to right. where there's flood tunnels they, and they can only dig so far and then the whole thing floods out. Mm -hmm. And so a rock got stuck in one of the outtake hoses and the thing exploded. Wow. And it smashed into a dude, broke his leg, but it could have easily killed him. Yeah. Wow. I've never actually seen it, but uh, it does air over here. So uh, that might be yeah. what I need to go and catch up with. Because, uh, yeah, like I say, it runs on Sky History. It, so I think you can go and watch the back episodes on Sky as well. It's a long catch up. It's 138 episodes right now. Wow. Yeah, that is a lot. But I mean, go. if you're at all like a history fan or, a, you know, solve the mystery kind of fan, this is going to be right up your alley because so much of it just kind of almost makes sense in this theory but could easily be discounted in this theory. <laughs> so outside of, you know, all the carbonating they do for things they find, there's no real proof of anything. There's just a lot of things that really hint to it. Yeah, it sounds really fascinating. I do quite like those sort of history shows. There's a number of things that have run over here. There's Time Team, which I think they did an American version of where they go to various areas in the UK and had a limited amount of time to go and do a sort of archaeological dig in that area. And there's another one they've done quite recently which is um history in the in back gardens so they go to a town where they know there is some sort of you know, like a, an old roman settlement and there's been a town built over it and they go and dig up people's back gardens to like find bits and pieces so uh, i do love those sort of uh, excavation kind of shows which they're really quite interesting so um, it's what i should go and check out i think yeah i mean and they go through all the history there's tons of theories like uh, some of it involves uh, hidden codes and shakespeare literature some of it is uh, secret projects involving uh, Sir Francis Bacon and the Rosicrucians. <laughs> Obviously, Knights Templar comes in. Like I said, they found a ton of stuff. Like the initial dig area that kicked the whole thing off is called the Money Pit, and that's been lost of time. <laughs> um, when they first excavated that, they dug down 10 feet and there was a, a set of logs that were very obviously human built. Mm -hmm. And they had coconut fibers for water insulation and filtering, mm -hmm. which the nearest landmass that has native coconuts is over a thousand miles away. <laughs> and then every 10 feet that they dug down, there was another landing and then another landing. And then they get to the 90 foot mark and there's a giant tablet there with a cryptograph on it. 
uh, and then when they dug down farther, that's when the whole thing flooded out. And wow. that's kind of what kicked off the whole treasure hunt. Wow. Crazy. Crazy show. Yep. The only other thing I've been watching recently, I finished up Invincible on Amazon Prime. Yes. Mostly because my time feeds were getting just blown up with memes from that last <laughs> episode involving Invincible and Omni-Man. Yeah. Um, and that's been morphing into all other kinds of stuff. Not a bad show. Wow. Was it violent? I did not expect it to be that violent. Yeah. I have no problem with violence. It's just that came out of nowhere. Yeah. We said that before. Yeah, me and Matt did a, a review show on it and it's what was the more violent show out of say this and the boys and I actually think that Invincible is way more violent than the boys. It just it gets away with it because of the fact it's in animation. But I mean mm-hmm. from the end of the opening episode right through particularly I mean that final episode is is just blood and guts everywhere and, ju- and some of the things are just deeply disturbing that they made them do. I thought it was superb that series it's very very well put together i've actually bought the comic books and it's interesting reading through the comic books which are dramatically quite different there's elements like characters that pop up so a lot of the teams are sort of the same but the guardians of the globe don't actually show up anywhere in the first volume of the book i think they're referenced once or twice by omni-man but they're not actually in it at all so the the tv show is quite dramatically remixed from the books which is nice in the same way that sort of walking dead tv show is dramatically remixed so if you're missing invincible and you want to kind of catch up you can go out and buy the books and have a different experience from reading the books from watching the tv show but yeah the the books are nowhere near as violent as the tv show was yeah uh so that's all i've really been watching uh video game wise i finished up my time for now with uh valheim have you had a chance to play that at all yeah i've played it a little bit i haven't got massively into it and i do like that sort of game you know i do like those sort of building games quite a lot i've i played around with it a little bit i've just other things have got in the way so i haven't kind of spent that much time in it easiest way to describe that is just imagine if minecraft and shadow of the colossus had a viking baby (laughs) that pretty much sums it up a lot of world building not a whole lot of stuff to do initially but that's just because it is an early access game Mm -hmm. it's fairly affordable 20 dollars us so that's what about 15 uk something like um it it blew up it we covered matt and i covered this on one of the gaming talks um like six million sales in six weeks which is Jesus. unprecedented basically yeah did that i've been playing a lot of battle tech i've been getting back into that tried dragon quest builder 2 not bad just definitely designed for an age group much younger than you and i <laughs> i was on the fence about getting mass effect legendary edition but since i have played through the game originally mm-hmm. i think i'll just hold off on that that'll probably be like my winter break game yeah i got legendary edition i played like the opening a little bit just to sort of see i've been playing other things so i haven't really been back to it all that much uh the thing that's kind of taking up most of my time actually is uh i'm in the middle of building a zoo in planet zoo which has got every single animal that is in the game i'm trying to build a zoo that's got every single animal in it so i'm kind of determined to get that finished before i start in earnest on anything else um but uh, there were two games that came out on friday one was mass effect legendary edition and the other one was subnautica below zero which uh, i've spoken about subnautica before the first game is just a masterpiece of work i really really enjoyed the first game and the second game is great as well i've been playing through the early access of that but they've now given the full release so you can actually complete it and uh, it's been a little while since i've been back to that so i've started going back and playing around with that the subnautica basically it's another survival game but you are dropped onto an ocean planet 
and in Below Zero, you are trying to find what happened to your sister who has gone missing on this planet. So you're going down, your ship crashes. You then have an escape pod that lands in the ocean. You uh, use that to start building things up and uh, you start to pick up some weird signals whilst you're underwater and you have to go and investigate that. And then things start to get really quite interesting. So you can build sort of bases and stuff in that underwater. You've got to go and mine things that are around on the uh, ocean floor to um, collect resources to build more and more stuff. And you can end up building like submarines and that sort of thing in it and things to help you get around quicker. But uh, I adore the Subnautica games. And um, Below Zero has been really, really fun to play around with in the uh, early access stuff. So I'm glad it's now out on full release. It's going to be well, well worth getting hold of. Have you played any of the Subnautica games? I have not. I do need to check it out because if memory serves, I do believe that is part of Game Pass on PC and Xbox. Might be, yeah. I'm like 90-ish percent sure of that. So Probably the original is. Below Zero is a completely separate game. It's not like a, an add-on mm. or anything for the first one. It is a completely separate game with new characters and stuff. Similar premise to the first one, but the first one is well, well worth getting as well. It's such fun to play around in. It's great because it's one of those games that feels sort of, you know, oh, this is nice. I'm swimming around. Oh, look at all the fishes. And then you'll turn around the corner and there's this giant monster that like chases you. And then you're like, yeah. so it's got some great jump scares in it as well. It's not like scary, scary overall, because you eventually you kind of get used to them and know where to avoid them. But there are certain things that will come and try and chomp at you and stuff. It's such a fun game to play. I really, really enjoyed it. So uh, if it's on Game Pass, it's definitely, definitely worth checking out that one. In terms of TV stuff, I finished Jupiter's Legacy, which is the Netflix series, which I know we talked a little bit about last week and Daryl had uh, watched all the way through it. So he kind of gave a sort of full review of the whole thing. He described it as being kind of glacially slow in terms of the storytelling. And uh, I, I wouldn't go quite that far. It does feel a little bit stretched out over that season. And it does almost feel like a, a sort of prequel to the story actually starting in some respects. The entire first season is based around this family of superheroes. It's about the older generation getting older and trying to sort of hand off to the younger generation. But they live by what they refer to as the code, which obviously involves things like, you know, you don't kill. And the world around them has changed because these heroes have been around since the sort of 30s and 40s. And that's when they established this code. And they're now in the modern day. And it's sort of a case of, well, is this code still relevant? And should we be looking to kind of amend it? And there is this sort of ongoing conflict between the older and the younger generation about what they should be doing and what they shouldn't. It's also intercut with scenes set in the sort of 30s and 40s of how that first generation got their powers. I quite like those sequences, but you do end up jumping backwards and forwards between the sort of older you know, scenes and then it jumps into the newer scenes. So you are jumping throughout the entire season and you do eventually find out how they get their powers by the end of that run, but it is spread out across the entire run of eight episodes. It is worth watching. I do really enjoy it. Uh, 
And yes, it is possibly a little bit slow in places, but it is definitely a show that I would recommend you go and pick up if you're into superhero stuff. It is a little bit weird watching that after watching Invincible, which is also a sort of thing about you know younger heroes and older heroes as well, although there is an entirely separate, different type of plot going on. You've not got to that yet, I'm assuming. No, not yet. That's one worth looking at. Mythic Quest returned for its second season, which I'm really, really enjoying. That's the Apple TV Plus show, which I think, we again, we talked a bit about that last week. And uh, that's just wonderfully fun and uh, kind of like Silicon Valley, but set in a games company rather than set in a sort of uh, tech company. And um, just very, very funny. Uh, they've got sort of you know uh, themes set around each of the different episodes. The second season is, is dealing with the fact that they're trying to build an expansion, but you've now got two creative directors kind of battling for control over it. Really, really, really fun and uh, definitely worth checking out if you've got access to Apple TV. The new show that I watched this week is a series called Domina, which came out on Sky Atlantic over here. I believe it's coming to Epics in the US. Big historical epic drama kind of scratches that sort of Game of Thrones itch, kind of fills a little bit of a hole of that. It's an ancient Rome series. It's told from the perspective of the women of Rome, which is kind of an interesting, different way of doing it. Follows the story of Livia Drusilla, who was uh, was a real-life person from Rome. She starts off as this naive young girl who world crumbles apart after the assassination of Julius Caesar and ends up becoming the most powerful and influential empress of Rome. It's well-constructed, but it jumps through time quite a lot. Like, the first episode starts off, I think it's a year after the death of Julius Caesar, and you're at this point where there is a civil war going on for control of Rome. So that's where you start the first episode. And then by the end of that episode, they've jumped forward another year. And then by the start of the second episode, they've jumped forward like five more years. So it jumps around like really quite quick in time. And there are a lot of different families, all with slightly similar names. So it gets a little bit confusing when you're trying to kind of follow everybody. So that would be my only real criticism of it is you've really really got to focus on who's connected to who and you know you could do with like a family tree of like okay this person is married to this person who's cousin to this person who you could do with like some sort of whiteboard of like where everybody sits within the uh, Roman hierarchy but overall it's very very well shot there's the usual sort of sex and violence that you expect from something like that is a Game of Thrones ish type of thing kind of makes me miss the old HBO series Rome if you ever saw that that was a phenomenal, phenomenal show, which they cancelled way, way too early. I do enjoy the ancient Rome stuff, and uh, I think this is a solid, interesting, different take on ancient Rome. It's called Domina. You can get the whole season actually up on uh, Sky on Demand and Now TV over here right now. I think Epics are going to run it in the US. Uh, ancient Roman area interest you? Not really, no, but uh, Epics is like an extra add-on pay channel. Right, So yeah. it's something that I have to go, I'd have to go out of my way to get. Plus, Matt and I I've talked about this a couple of times on our podcast. The the American TV market is so convoluted and so all over the place that locking down like one series, it could be on five different streaming services, and you'd have to like do serious research <laughs> on which one it's at. And yeah. 
yeah. it just gets confusing. Yeah, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more when we get to the TV and film news about the streaming services of the US and the UK, because uh, there are some interesting developments coming up there. So um, that's all the stuff that we've been doing this week. Let's go on to the TV and film news. <laughs> NBC 
are ending This Is Us with season six, which I don't think comes as a huge surprise because it had been renewed up to the sixth season and the guy that created the show had repeatedly said, I've got an arc for six seasons. So people kind of bemoaning NBC for cancelling it. And he's like, well, no, it seems to have been a creative decision by the guy that made the show. And he'd been saying for months, if not years, when they got the renewal, that that was probably what was going to happen. So I don't think that's come as a huge shock. I've watched some of This Is Us. I'm still way, way behind. I think I'm halfway through third season at the moment. I don't know whether that's one you've ever watched. No, I mean, I've seen commercials for it all the time, but none of the stars involved with it are anyone that are like from other shows that I've seen is like, oh, I got to follow this person. Oh, I got to follow yeah. this person. So I never really got into it. Yeah. Fox has cancelled Prodigal Son after two seasons. Uh, there was some talk of Warner Brothers who make it maybe trying to move it across to HBO Max, but that seems like a long shot. It seems like it's probably dead for good, but uh, miracles do happen. It may, may pop up again. And CBS has cancelled two shows, The Unicorn and All Rise, neither of which were ones that aired over here. So uh, I'd not caught either of those either. The Unicorn was interesting uh, just because I am a big uh, Walter Goggins fan. Yeah. And it was really nice to see him in something completely different mm. um, than what he had been doing before. Because if you go back to shows like Six or uh, Justified or Sons of Anarchy, he always plays like these really kind of dark, gritty kind of characters. And this will let him be a lot more humorous, a lot more lighten up uh, with that. So it is a bummer that it kind of got canceled, but it is what it is. So. Yeah. Yeah. Again, seems to be a numbers thing with those shows. The other thing that's got cancelled in the UK specifically this week is the Fox UK TV channel. They announced today is going to close on the 30th of June. All the Disney content that is on there, like things like the Orville, because that's where the Orville ran in the UK, that will be moving across onto Star. Same with American Horror Story, which they ran on Fox UK, that will be moving across onto Star. It seems like The Walking Dead, which they also ran in the UK, that will probably move on to start. The thing that it's unclear about are they ran Bull and they ran NCIS and NCIS New Orleans. Those CBS shows, it's unclear what's going to happen with those right now. They may move across onto Star. They may not. We don't know. Uh, Star being the uh, mature bit of Disney Plus, which they added on a few months ago. Now, I'm sure this comes across as slightly confusing, I'm sure, to to you, because this probably makes absolutely zero sense in the American context, because in America, Fox, the TV channel, is owned by Fox Corp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas in the UK, the Fox channel is owned by Disney due to the Disney deal that went through in 2019. So uh, we've had this weird, odd situation where we've had the Fox channel in the US and the Fox channel in the UK, but the Fox channel in the UK doesn't have any relationship to the Fox channel in the US. Even prior, actually, to Disney buying them, half the shows that were on Fox UK weren't Fox shows. As I mentioned, you know, Bull ran on there, NCIS ran on there, Walking Dead ran on there, and American Horror ran on there. You know, so it was like this odd mix of things from everywhere else rather than being Fox shows. I think the only thing they ran with any regularity that were Fox shows were American Dad and Family Guy. So, you know. Yeah, and and a lot of those shows are actually on CBS over here in the States, like The Unicorn, all the NCISs, that kind of stuff. They're all uh, CBS channel-based shows, and CBS kind of shoots itself in the foot with uh, streaming on demand because they have their own separate subscription channel mm-hmm. for on demand just for CBS. So if you like, if you're in the States and you missed it or you wanted to catch up on like Picard or thing like that, you have to have a separate subscription service just for that specific channel. And there is no back catalog on demand. It's you can watch the current episode.
episode for the week up of, and then everything else is locked behind a paywall. Yeah, see, what I don't get about CBS is, I mean, they changed, obviously, CBS All Access, they changed recently to Paramount+. Plus. Paramount+, Plus, they have launched in a few places internationally, but hasn't yet launched in the UK, despite the fact that Viacom, who owns CBS, also own all the Channel 5 channels over here. So it's not like they haven't got like a, a linear channel footprint in the UK that they could use some back catalogue for. And you're in a situation where there are a number of CBS shows, which I'm sure you could put onto a Paramount Plus, like things like Bull and the NCIS shows and that sort of stuff. The weird thing with stuff like the NCIS shows is that they are split as well. So NCIS and NCIS New Orleans ran on Fox, whereas NCIS LA and some of the other shows run on Sky. So they're split across different channels anyway, which is a pain. Uh, yeah, try to track it all down and it look like one of those conspiracy theorist uh, whiteboards with all the string and then you go cross-eyed. Yeah, I mean, it's not quite as bad as uh, we used to be have a situation where they used to have the Universal Channel as well. And the Chicago shows used to be split across like three different channels because one ran on one of the Channel 5 channels, one Chicago show ran on the Universal and one ran on Sky. And they regularly do crossovers. So they crossovers never, ever lined up. And they finally did a deal to move everything onto Sky. So they're all in one place and they run together now. But that was like only last year that they did that. So it <laughs> can be real difficult when you've got certain shows which have crossovers. And of course, infamously, we had the thing with the uh, Arrowverse shows last year where Batwoman was missing because Sky, who had all the other Arrowverse shows, didn't pick up Batwoman and it went to a different channel in the UK. It was wearing on E4. So that one part of the crossover didn't air until months and months and months after everything else had already aired. Mm -hmm. So it's a real pain that the US broadcasters, when they're selling stuff abroad, don't give any consideration to who they're actually selling it to other than who will give them the most money, which I sort of understand. But I mean, it's kind of annoying that they don't think about when you're dealing with crossover shows, selling them all to one place. But Well, let's be fair. The crossover shows and the extended universes, that's a fairly new phenomenon. True, true. I mean, if you want to count like the early Josh Whedon stuff when they used to do Buffy and Angel crossovers, that's really the earliest I can remember that ever being an actual thing. Mm. Now, granted, that was like 20 years ago, so it's not like it was that you know recent of a thing, but I don't remember the shows outside of like when it was a spinoff and they were just establishing characters. They never really made it that big of a deal outside of that initial push. Yeah, that is true. I guess that was what people were looking at. It may be only the last few years where it's really become sort of so integrated in TV universes as such. Um, but like I say, I mean, with all the Dick Wolf stuff, I mean, in actual fact, all the Dick Wolf stuff now is pretty much on Sky Witness over here. So it, unlike the US where you've got the FBI's on CBS and then you've got all the Chicago's over on NBC, in the UK, they're all on one channel. So uh, it's, it's kind of weird. We don't know where some of the newer stuff's going to get picked up, but the crossover thing has always been a bit of a pain over here. So, I mean, I'll be sad to see Fox UK go, although it's been somewhat inevitable that this was going to happen because, as I say, it was an oddity in that it didn't really run Fox shows. It was odd having it branded as Fox, where Disney have pretty much eradicated the rest of the Fox branding throughout the stuff that they have. Like 20th Century Fox is now 20th Century TV. They've taken the Fox out of pretty much all their other stuff. So it was just a bit weird having a channel that was just branded as Fox. I did wonder whether they'd maybe 
maybe rebrand it as something else. But what they've decided to do is just close it completely, which sort of makes sense because, I mean, they took all the Disney channels off linear TV over here as well when they launched Disney+. Plus. So if you've got a direct streaming service, why would you pay to have a space on a linear network when you've got a streaming service that particularly now they've launched Star that can run mature content, why wouldn't you just run everything on that instead? I mean, it sort of makes far more sense, I guess. It's just, it's unclear at the moment. As I say, Walking Dead, it sounds like Walking Dead, even though that's an AMC show, will move across onto Star for the final season. It's just unclear what's going to happen with those CBS shows or whether they'll kind of move or whether they'll go somewhere else. We don't know right now. We'll have to wait and see for that. In terms of renewals, ABC picked up The Rookie for another season, A Million Little Things, both back for four seasons, those. The Goldbergs, which has got a ninth season, The Connors for season four, Home Economics for season two. They've also renewed Grey's Anatomy and Station 19, which are both getting new seasons as well. Out of all those, the only thing I watch is The Rookie, so I'm quite glad that's back because that was very much a bubble show. Goldbergs, the only question with that was whether this next season would be a final season and they haven't said it is going to be so uh, that could maybe come back again the season after we don't know Connors doesn't air over here Million Little Things doesn't air over here and uh, Home Economics doesn't air here yeah I'm a big fan of A Million Little Things and it's a shame it doesn't air over there because it's got a massive cast it's very in kind of the same lane as This Is Us so Mm. if you're uh, a fan of that show you would definitely like it but like I said it's got a massive cast Grace Park is in it who Mm -hmm. you know from the Battlestar reboot uh, James Rodé Rodriguez, if you saw Psych, he's in that. Yeah. Jason Ritter, John Ritter's son, is in it for a few episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, just tons and tons of people that you would recognize from other shows. We talked about that on one of our big casts. It's, it's a very good show, but it's very open and honest. So it's one of those things that, while I normally don't give you know warnings about shows in terms of content, this is one of the few ones that I would just because they are so open and honest about it. I mean, hell, the series opens up with a main character committing suicide. Right. And it just kind of keeps it that raw and real from there. Mm. So just tons of stuff that, you know, we all, all of us in life experience, but might not talk about or might not com- be comfortable talking about. It's right up there in your face going, hello. Yeah, I think one of the reasons it hasn't been picked up over here is partly to do with This Is Us, because This Is Us really struggled to find an audience. It wasn't until it landed on Amazon that it really picked up any major traffic in the UK and that was like by its third or fourth season before it really found an audience here because it got bounced around from various channels and uh, it, they, they just really didn't land for whatever reason I don't know why and it's a great show and I think possibly that's put some buyers off buying a million little things because it's seen as being a bit like This Is Us and This Is Us didn't find an audience so I think that's maybe why it's put some people off over in the UK in terms of them actually buying it I am surprised that they have haven't added it on to Star over here, though, given that they now have a platform where they could just shove it up and it's an ABC show. I'm not sure whether there's an external production company alongside that, but maybe that's the reason. But uh, I would have thought they would have put that on there. It's one of those ones that I was hoping would show up and hasn't, which is a shame. Um, 
CBS have got a couple of renewals as well. They've renewed United States of Al and B Positive, which uh, neither of which have aired over here either. So uh, I don't know whether you've experienced either of those. I have seen a few episodes of B Positive. I like the concept of it. It stars the main character in the opening scene finds out that he's going through kidney failure mm. and he's a uh, divorced. He's got a early teens daughter and he randomly runs into somebody from high school and she goes in to get uh, tested to see if she's a donor match and she is but she's also a massive party girl right. like he runs into her she's stoned out of her mind at a, at a wedding you know just chugging from a bottle and he's a therapist so it's kind of like them helping each other it's like he's helping her get clean get her life organized get back on track and then she's you know trying to do that for him so that she can donate a kidney so that he can live and watch his daughter grow up so on that level it is very heartfelt but it's also a very wacky comedy but right. it works because yeah. The main actor is like a very serious. I mean, he is a therapist, so it's a very serious thing that he's doing. And then she's just kind of like this hyperactive ping pong ball bouncing off of everything. And it's just like that clash of personalities makes for some interesting dynamics. But it is an interesting watch. It's not something I watch regularly, but if I happen to be home and it's on, I'll definitely keep it on. Yeah, the male lead, the therapist is uh, Thomas Middlich, who is the lead in Silicon Valley, I seem to remember as well. Mm-hmm. So that's him. Uh, Annalie Ashford, I think, he's plays the uh, the other half, who I don't really know. She was in Masters of Sex, um, Bad Education as well. So yeah, she's she's been in a few things. It's a Chuck Lorre comedy, that. So again, the ratings weren't brilliant on that, I don't think, but I, I don't think they want to upset Chuck Lorre too much. So, you know, <laughs> that makes sense that they, uh, they've renewed that one. Well, in terms of Chuck Lorre, as long as he doesn't have another Charlie Sheen situation, I'm sure he'll be happy. <laughs> yeah, and no, that's in true. Terms, in terms of anybody from uh, um, Silicon Valley, as long as they don't have another T.J. Miller incident, that'll be good as well. Yeah, well, that, the that, both of those did are true. Did to make it over there and all? Or? Yes, yeah, no, I think we talked about that on the show when it happened. So, yes, right on both counts, I think. CBS have got their upfront coming on Wednesday, although um, they still have a couple of shows outstanding. There is some news on these. Um, SEAL Team and Clarice are two of the outstanding shows. It's sounding like, although this isn't in entirely confirmed yet but it's sounding like they're going to be moving both of those to Paramount Plus. SEAL Team as I think we mentioned last week one of the things that has going for it is if they renew it for another season it pushes it over 100 episodes which is what they need for syndication and to sell it downstream into streaming and as box sets and all that sort of stuff. I think that's likely to be renewed whatever happens even if it's for a shorter final season but there is talk of them moving it onto Paramount Plus instead which is the CBS streaming service we were talking about previously and that may keep it alive for longer than just one more season they're also talking about doing the same thing with Clarice which is the Hannibal Lecter drama without Hannibal Lecter in it which is the lowest rated show on the network and the only reason I think this has got a chance at renewal is moving it to Paramount Plus and the fact that it's got Alex Kurzman behind it who is the person that is in charge of their entire Star Trek franchise so again not somebody you probably want to upset too much so I I mean, he's got a lot of pull and I think that's the only reason that they would ever redo that because it's ratings have been in the toilet for pretty much for the entire run of it. Those two look like, certainly SEAL Team looks like it's going to be safe, but the rumour is that 
both of those are going to be going to Paramount Plus. We will probably know for sure on that on Wednesday, if not before. Maybe by the time this show goes up, we don't know. Clarice, I've not seen, so I really can't judge it actually properly. But um, Seal Team does air over here, and I really enjoy that show. That's a solid drama, I think. That yeah, I have not seen Clarice. I think it's just because it's too far away removed from the original mm-hmm. uh, movie, and I never saw the other two spinoffs of it. Yeah, I mean, hell, I was in high school. I was <laughs> seventeen when that movie first aired. Yeah. Um, so it's just too far removed for that. So it never really caught my interest. SEAL Team, I've seen it every now and then. It's not bad. It's just not anything that's in my regular watch rotation. Yeah. In terms of Fox, which have got their upfronts, we're recording this on Monday, their upfronts are later today. So we'll see uh, 911, 911 Lone Star. They've not made an announcement either way on those, but I think they're almost certainly safe because they're some of the highest rated things on the network. The Resident also looks safe, although um, Morris Chestnut apparently won't be back for the uh, next season if it does come back for another season but there was a story just popped up today to say he was leaving the show those two sorry three shows because 911 911 Lone Star the resident uh, on Fox look like they're probably going to be okay we should know either later today so possibly by the time this goes out we'll have a definitive answer one way or another on those uh, yeah I haven't seen any of those um, they're just not really in my wheelhouse of things that I like to watch but I do recognize a lot of the people from it from the commercials obviously all three shows have big star parallel, especially the resident now with Falcon and the Winter Soldier finishing up and just kind of refreshing. I can't remember her name now. Emily Van Camp. Yeah, Emily Van Camp. Having her on that show obviously is a big pull. Right. If my brain would actually work for five seconds. <laughs> no, I hadn't realized Emily Van Camp was on that show. So <laughs> not one that I particularly watched. I do watch watch 911 and 911 Lone Star, and I they're, they're some of the best procedurals out there. So uh, you know, I'm I'm pretty sure they'll probably be safe. Over on NBC. They have said they've got four shows which we haven't got information on yet. Uh, Their upfront is actually going on right now. So we're not likely to get results for what's going to happen with these four shows at the upfronts. Apparently, they've said that they're going to wait until they've finished airing all their episodes before they actually make a decision. Big one, obviously, particularly for me and Matt, Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which we both absolutely love. There seems to be a lot of will to keep that show on air at the network and obviously very dedicated fan base even though it might not be huge and I've said before it's a very similar show to something like The Good Place in terms of its tone which had a very similar situation as well in that the numbers weren't huge but it it felt like it was a different enough show and had a very very strong if small fan base that they kept it around for a while so even if that only comes back for one more season I think there is probably a little bit of life left in that the other option would be to move it across to something like Peacock, the NBC streaming service, which they've talked about as a possibility, partly because of the fact that doing that would also give them a little bit more freedom because then they're not having to hit certain points in the story to put adverts in and uh, have to be a particular length. You know, you can alter, vary the length of it so they don't have to. So I know the showrunners talked about actually Peacock would be quite a good option for them if they do that. Yeah, I know Matt's a huge fan of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist. I haven't seen it. I'm not a big fan of shows or even movies where, you know, 
every 20 minutes somebody breaks out into song <laughs> you know it's kind of more fits on like a disney format because when you think about some of the disney animated movies they're just really long musicals yeah i mean i'm not generally hugely into those sort of shows but i think zoe's does it so so well and i think it's the fact that they acknowledge that it's weird that it's happening and it's sort of only her that sees it is the reason why i think it sort of works in that way you know so i do really really love that show i think it's so cleverly done and well put together so i do hope they save it but um not going to get an answer on that straight away by the sounds of it so uh that's one we're still waiting for but the, there seems to be some positive noise around them possibly bringing that back even if it gets moved on to peacock over in the u.s good girls we've mentioned this before still pretty much the same problem very bad on the network in terms of ratings but it's really good on streaming so one of the possibilities they may do to get it another season would be to try and get netflix to co-produce it who air it internationally whether that comes off i don't know they may just end up canning it but we'll have to wait and see with that yeah i have no good reason why i haven't seen this show i probably need to binge it at some point it's got so many people that i'm big fans of uh, red is in it i loved her in the uh, parks and rec run christina Hendricks has obviously been in a zillion things and is you know a scene stealer in all of them uh, matthew lillard's always good for a laugh in it um, so at some point i'm gonna have to catch up on this show yeah i've seen a few episodes i think i watched the first couple of episodes and, and then other things got in the way and i didn't go back to it i know matt really loves it but it is one that i do keep on reading to sit down and watch manifest doing much better in the ratings than the other three shows that we're talking about in this list but it has the disadvantage that is co-production with warner brothers which means that nbc make less money out of it but the ratings are better it's quite a good sort of utility show that they can shove in when they have a slot in the schedule sort of any time of the year so it's one of those things that may survive just because it's quite useful and you know the ratings are okay uh, they may be able to work out some deal with wb to kind of bring the cost down a little bit i do quite like manifest it's got a little bit of lost-esque-ness to it along with a little bit of those kind of less serious fun sci-fi things going on i just i think it's quite a, a good all-round just entertainment show yeah i'm a huge fan of manifest it definitely scratches that lost itch I mean, you can definitely tell that the people that are involved in it worked on lost for a bit it's got mm-hmm. that definite same vibe to it you know it doesn't take itself quite as seriously as lost did doesn't get you know all you know all buried in the minutiae and up Mm -hmm. on that Um, plus also uh, much like a couple other shows we talked about massive cast list on it Um, there's a ton of people that if you've seen other shows you're like oh i know this person oh i know this person hey there's that person (laughs) yeah it's quite good for that but i like it because of the fact that yeah it's lost-esque but without taking itself anywhere near as seriously as lost did and i think that's definitely a good thing i'm enjoying that quite a lot it's one that i hope they bring back definitely debris is the other show which is again does quite badly on the network does better on um, online watching could be another possibility for moving to somewhere like peacock well received by critics for a genre series so there is some will to save it this hasn't actually aired over here yet i don't know whether you've caught any episodes of this over there no it's kind of i don't know if you remember that show revolution right um, yes it's got kind of that vibe to it wow yeah i like that show yeah that was an eric kripke series I was on the fence with that show until they explained why none of the tech work and i'm just like nope i'm out <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that was one of Eric Kripke uh, series I seem to remember. I quite enjoyed that show. It was very silly, but I, I enjoyed it. Debris being described as sort of little bit fringe because it's it's from one of the writers from Fringe and little bit X Files as well. So I don't know. I'm interested in seeing it. It's not doing well on the network, but it is doing better on online watching. That seems like a prime candidate for something you could boot across to Peacock, maybe. But um, we don't know any on those four shows yet. Uh, they are doing their upfront well right now, but they seem to be saying that they're unlikely to actually give a response one way or another for a few weeks yet on those. So we're, they're still a bit in limbo. Moving on to some of the pickups, Kevin Smith's Masters of the Universe Revelation got some first look photos this week. Have you seen any of these? Yeah, I've seen it, and it's definitely going to be on my on my two watch list. And anytime Kevin Smith pops up, I always recommend to people to get on YouTube and look up the talk that he did at Clark College because there's this 20 minute segment where he talks about his time with uh, DC and his attachment to the yeah. Nicolas Cage Superman movie, and it's utterly fascinating. Yeah. Um, just that in and of itself. And if you ever wonder ever wondered why Hollywood is just so damn weird, this is a really good insight as to why. But yeah, I, I'm really curious to see what he's going to be doing. I mean, there's no denying that he is the fan that he is, and there's no denying that he's definitely one of those people that is now a go-to in terms of uh, we need something like this or something like this. That's Kevin Smith. Um, mm-hmm. And I just it's one of those things that as soon as it comes out, I'll definitely catch the first episode. Um, whether or not I watch the whole series really kind of depends on that. But the first episode at least is uh, you know a must-watch for me. So the cast list for it is ridiculous as well. I mean, the voice of He-Man is going to be Chris Wood, who you'll know from Vampire Diaries and Supergirl. Mark Hamill is voicing Skeletor. Sarah Michelle Geller is voicing Teela. Game of Thrones star Lena Healy and Liam Cunningham, that's uh, Evelyn and Man at Arms. Then the other voices in there, you've got like Henry Rollins is in there voicing one of the characters. You've got Jay Muse is obviously in there because you can't do anything without Jay Muse in there. Phil Lamar is in there. Kevin Ken- Conroy. Kevin uh, Conroy, Diedrich yeah. Bader. Yeah. Lena Headley is in it. Yeah. Um, um, obviously, Jason Muse gets a part because he needs to. Yeah. Um, uh, Stephen Holly- Rue, Alicia Silverstone. Harley Quinn Smith, obviously. Alan Oppenheimer, who was the original voice of Skeletor, is in there as well, playing uh, somebody called Mossman as well. So it's a ridiculous cast list that they, they've put together for it. And um, the animation looks great. I mean, we've only seen stills so far, but, you know, it was it's sort of an anime kind of version of it. And um, it just looks like it's going to be really good. The idea is that the series focuses on storylines from the classic 80s era and moves on those stories that were sort of left hanging decades ago. So uh, I really, really like the idea of it. Kevin Smith yeah. is a showrunner on it. Mark Bernard, who of course does uh, the podcast with him and he's a great writer as well. He's one of the writers on it. Eric Cassero, who was one of the writers on Supergirl. Also Tim Sheridan as well. So there's got some great writers behind it and um, all fans of it as well. So I, I think that's going to be one to look out for. Yeah, a slight tangent. Also on Netflix, they did kind of a relaunch launch-ish of Voltron called Voltron Legendary Warriors. Mm-hmm. Absolute must-see if you're a fan of the original 
80s cartoon. It, it does a reboot right. Right. Okay. It's one to look out for. Masters of the Universe Revelation, 23rd of July, they've announced that is landing on Netflix. So uh, you can stick that on your uh, watch list on Netflix if you want to keep an eye out for that. Did they say if all episodes are dropping at once or is it going to be a weekly thing? Uh, I don't see that here either way. It, it doesn't say either way, but given that it's Netflix, I'm assuming it's going to all drop at once because Netflix usually do it like that unless they're buying something off network and running it like next day they almost always drop it as box sets they very rarely do they run things out weekly just for the sake of it so uh, I'm pretty sure that that will be dropping as a box set I would have thought so you'd be able to binge through it in one go um, in terms of uh, other returning shows Bosch the seventh and in quotes final season of that they've said will arrive on Amazon on the 25th of June the in quotes around the final thing is because although they're saying this is the final season there's another show which is going to have Harry Bosch as the star and it's going to follow him as he embarks on the next chapter of his career and finds himself working with his one-time enemy and top-notch attorney Honey Money Chandler so this is basically finishing with the seventh season it's then got a new show which is going to be airing on IMDB TV which is Amazon's free streaming service in the US I'm guessing it will come to Amazon Prime internationally because the IMDB TV is only a US service 25th of June for that but yeah although this is the seventh and final season there is another show coming so he the character's not gone and it's still got the same lead in it so you know it's kind of weird it feels like a tax dodge to me that some, some sort of weird tax dodge so uh, that's uh, 25th of July for the seventh and final in quotes season of that Enola Holmes they've announced a uh, another Enola Holmes movie is coming with Millie Bobby Brown and Henry Cavill reprising their roles this was the one about Sherlock Holmes's sister which uh, first film went down really well so there's a second film of that coming they've released some first look images for Outer Banks which is coming summer 2021 for the second season as well this was a show which uh, I was never entirely sure about and I don't want to watch this because it's very teen dramery but it was far better than it had any rights to be I described it as as being like The Goonies meets Ozark meets Dawson's Creek it's like a really fun adventure series about this group of kids that are teenagers they um, live on the this sort of holiday destination and they're the locals and like these rich folks come in and they're they're sort of warring backwards and forwards between like the rich folks and the the island kids and they're also on this big treasure hunt to find this mythical buried treasure that's supposed to be on the island somewhere the first season had had no right to be as fun as it was and i really really enjoyed it so i'm looking forward to the second season of that landing it's uh, as i say it's very teen drama and not really necessarily the thing that i would usually watch but uh, still definitely want to keep an eye out for I think. I had not heard of this show I mean I think I might have seen it on uh, trending in Netflix but like you said it's not anything that I would normally watch but if you say it's good I might give it a chance. I can definitely relate to the, uh, the whole outsiders thing with it because I grew up in a college town so there's very much two parts of the city. There's the people that were coming in for college and there was the locals mm. so on that level at least I can get my head around it. So. <laughs> I thought it was really really fun 
the first season of that. And uh, yeah, like I say, it's, it's got this, there's kind of like the Goonies, but they're teens rather than little kids. And, and then there's sort of Ozark weirdness going on and then sort of some Dawson's Creek kind of teen drama stuff going on. So it's like this weird mix of things, but it seems to work. And uh, I'm definitely looking forward to the second season of that, but that's coming summer 2021, they've said. And uh, the Friends reunion, which they finally announced a date for in the US. We still don't know where it's landing in the UK, although the rumour is that it will probably land on Sky somewhere. That's been the latest rumour today, but Sky haven't announced anything yet. There are apparently deals being looked at, but that makes sense because it's HBO Max, I think, are airing it in the US and the Sky have quite a close relationship with HBO. So I'm expecting an announcement on that in the next few weeks, I would think. Moving on to some of the pilots which have come out. I know we talked about some of the pilots sort of over the years, but we've got a fairly solid list of some of the new shows that are coming up. One of the most interesting ones for me with Kiefer Sutherland is getting back into the espionage game for uh, Paramount+. Plus. This is uh, a new untitled show. It finds Kiefer Sutherland as a private espionage operative called James Weir in the midst of a battle over the preservation of democracy in a world at odds with misinformation, behavioural manipulation and the surveillance state and the interests that control these extraordinary powers. That's the setup for it. It's from Glenn Fakera, who one of the people behind This Is Us, Charlie Godelak, who worked on The Sinner, Susan Brimel, who worked on um, Designated Survivor, which of course was the last show he was on. It's an eight episode series they've ordered for Paramount+. Plus. Why they don't just go and make another Jack Bauer series at this point, I don't know. But, you know, here we are. He's back in the espionage game. I mean, I'm always happy to see Keith and Sutherland back on TV anyway. So Yeah, I watched I watched the first couple of seasons of 24. In the third season, I was just kind of like, yeah, this is just rehashing the same thing over and over again. So I'm kind of <laughs> out. Uh, I never did see that one similar show that he did on that short-lived platform, Quibi. I know Matt reviewed it for something at some point, but it just never really held my interest enough on it. Um, we'll just have to see how the, the uh, writing flushes out because that's something that could be, either be really, really good or really, really ham. And there's mm-hmm. not going to be a whole lot of wiggle room in between the two or so. Yeah, I mean, I'm just happy to see him back and back in a sort of area that I think suits him quite well. You know, he does this sort of stuff really, really well, does Kiefer Sutherland. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, it's coming on to Paramount Plus in the US. Uh, again, with that not having a Paramount Plus over here, we don't know where that will land. So we'll have to wait and see. Other pilots that have been picked up, we're just going to kind of quickly run through each of these because they've there's a big list of pilots that we know about so far. So ABC have picked up a show called Queens, which follows estranged and out-of-touched four women in their 40s reunite for a chance to recapture their fame and regain their swagger as the nasty bitches, their 90s group that made them legends in the hip-hop world. The cast for that is Eve... Natori Norton, Brandy, Nadine Vasquez, and Pepsi Sanuga apparently are the cast for that. Zahir McGee is the writer on it. Natori has been in a ton of stuff. You probably recognize her if you saw either the Playboy Club or Power or Power Book 2. Right. Pepe, she's been in a few things, relatively newer in terms of the acting scene, but she did a stint on General Hospital. Uh, on the Foster, she was in Ash versus Evil Dead, the uh, ah, right, um, okay. stars show, uh, Famous in Love. So, I mean, 
there's some interesting casting here. I'm not familiar enough with the director, so we'll just have to see like a pilot or a teaser or something like that. Yeah. Maggie is another show they've picked up, which is a young woman who tries to cope with life while coming to terms with her abilities as a psychic. She can see everyone's future, but her past is a mess. Uh, it's based on a short film. stars Rebecca Rittenhouse in the lead role. She was in uh, Mindy Project and Blood and Oil, the ABC soap thingy. I mean, I don't know. It just sounds like it could be a, a kind of fun show about psychic. It's listed under comedy, that. So, I mean, sounds like a slightly more off-the-wall one, I guess, that one. Well, it does star Chris Elliott, so... Right, yeah. <laughs> then we've got Abbott Elementary, which is a group of teachers brought together in one of the worst public schools in the country simply because they love teaching. They rely on one another to make it through the day and find a way of counteracting the school's district BS attitude towards educating children. Quatana Brunson, Tyler James Williams, Jamel James, Lisa Ann Walters, Chris Profetti, Sherilyn Ralph are the cast of that one. And again, that one's a comedy. And then we've got this remake of The Wonder Years or reimagining of The Wonder Years, which uh, sets it as a black middle-class family in Montgomery, Alabama. In the turbulent late 60s, make sure it was The Wonder Years for them too. So it's, it's a reboot of the very, very famous series. I think this is sort of an interesting way of doing it because I think if you just done a new version of The Wonder Years that would have been a bit weird and pointless. So I think the idea of making it a black family and telling it from that point of view, particularly around the 60s, I think could be kind of an interesting way of handling it and making it a different sort of show. So Lee Daniels is an exec producer on it. Fred Savage, who was obviously the original star of it is the other person behind it. Dool Hill plays the father in it as well. So I think it's got an interesting cast. Don Cheadle's the older narrating voice as well for this. It's definitely interesting. My only real concern is that I'm guessing they're just calling it the Wonder Years because they couldn't get enough interest of it being on its own as a separate thing. So they just had to do this nostalgia tie-in to get it off the ground. Mm. Uh, and I just don't know where that's going to go with that on it. So Yeah, I mean, I remember watching some of the original Wonder Years and I, I, you know, it's an interesting idea for a format for a show. I mean, it's very generic, I guess, because, I mean, basically it's a historical thing that follows a family drama and, you know, I it gives it some name recognition. So we'll see how it turns out. But I, I like the people behind it. I think it could work. Uh, over on CBS, we know some of the things they picked up. CSI Vegas, FBI International, NCIS Hawaii. So uh, they've got their procedurals all kind of locked down. So there is a new FBI coming. They're reviving CSI with some of the original cast as well and then there is this new NCIS spin-off which is going to be NCIS but in Hawaii. I got off the NCIS train a long time ago <laughs> yeah. uh, CSI once they did the cybersecurity, I just couldn't watch it anymore. Yeah. Uh, FBI I never saw any of those shows so that, that was always kind of a weird pass for me so. Yeah. In terms of other things outside of that they picked up Good Sam which is a talented yet stifled surgeon embraces her leadership role after her renowned and pompous boss falls into a coma when he awakens and wants to resume surgery. However, it fails to her to supervise this overbearing blowhard who never acknowledges her talents and also happens to be her father. Sophia Bush is the daughter and Jason Isaacs is the father in that. I quite like the setup for this and I 
really like Jason Isaacs. So I think this is a really interesting one to pick up to series. And if you're going to do a procedural, you need an angle on it. And I think this is an interesting angle that you could do for a sort of procedurally type thing, I guess. The other one they picked up is Ghosts, which is based on the British series of the same name. So uh, if you're in the UK, you will be aware of this. Follows a young couple who dreams come true when they inherit this beautiful country house, only to find it's both falling apart and inhabited by many of their deceased previous residents. I know there's a lot of love for the UK series of this. Fine, you're doing a US remake. Go for it. Why not? Um, See how it lands over there, but seems a little unnecessary, but okay, whatever. I'm sure they said the same thing about the American version of The Office, and look what happened with that. That's true. (laughs) And then uh, Smallwood, they've picked up as well. After being laid off from an assembly line at a GM factory, this seemingly ordinary man makes an extraordinary decision to provide for his family by following his dream of becoming a professional bowler. Based on pro bowler Tom Smallwood's life, I have very little interest in that, but I mean, it's there if something that's up your street. You never know. I mean, bowling's a very niche following in terms of fandom, but I'm sure there's some people that are going to be really excited for it. Yeah, I'm sure. Pete Holmes, Shee McBride, Katie Lowndes are the um, three cast members listed for that. So over on Fox, they've picked up Accused, which is based on the BBC series so where each episode opens in a courtroom with the accused without knowing their crime or how they ended up on trial follows how an ordinary person got caught up in an extraordinary situation ultimately revealing how one wrong turn leads to another until it's too late to turn back i don't remember the bbc series at all so that's one that very much passed me by but uh legal drama if you want to follow that cleaning lady which we talked about last week which is a about a woman that comes to the u.s to be a doctor and ends up working up as a cleaning lady for the mob stars Elodie Young who played Electra in the Daredevil series who I quite like so I think that uh, that could be one to watch out for Fantasy Island which is a uh, modern semi-anthology which delves into the what-if questions both big and small that keeps you awake at night each episode will tell an emotional provocative stories about people who walk in with their desires but end up reborn to themselves through a magical realism of Fantasy Island that's an old show Fantasy Island isn't it I think yeah that's a Ricardo Maltabon if I want to say so they also quite recently a couple years ago tried to make it into a horror movie and that completely flopped yeah I mean 1990 they tried a TV series of it and then yeah film was a horror movie last year as well so uh, third tries a charm I guess <laughs> we'll see Pivoting they've picked up to series which follows three women after the death of their childhood best friend faced with the reality that life is too short their desperate attempts to find happiness they make a series of impulsive ill-advised and self-indulgent decisions to strengthen their bond providing it's never too late to screw up your life Eliza Coop Jennifer Goodwin and Maggie Q are the three stars of that um, so I mean, good cast, but I'm not sure whether that's one that I'm particularly interested in and doesn't really grab me. And uh, This Country, which is a US remake of the UK series, again, documentary crew that follows cousins Kelly and Shrub Mallet as they go about their daily lives in idiosyncratic surroundings. Paul Fague is the person behind it and Sean William Scott is one of the cast. I think I can see him kind of fitting into a show like that, I guess. 
Yes. Interesting idea for a comedy. I mean, it, I, I can see how they could translate that. It's, I mean, the British show feels very British, but I can sort of see how it might translate into rural America as well. It would be interesting to see how that comes across over there in that remake version. Over on NBC, you've got La Brea, which we've spoken about many, many times, which is, is this wonderfully bonkers sounding show where a massive sinkhole opens up in the middle of LA. Half the family fall in, which separate the mother and son from the father and daughter. And the ones that fall in the hole find themselves in an unexplainable primeval world along with a group of disparate strangers. I love the sound of this show since they first mentioned it. It sounds as wonderfully bonkers as something like that old CBS show Zoo, which had a bunch of like uh, animals that sort of suddenly became intelligent and started hunting people. It just sounds like it's wonderfully stupid. And I'm really interested to see this when it comes to series. Hopefully we'll get a trailer for that. La Brea is actually interesting because that's where the legendary tar pits are. Yes. In. Um, so I'm not quite sure why that name was chosen, but it's kind of a possibility. So I think they are actually basing it around the tar pits in LA. That's why they've chosen La Brea because there is one of the characters is a tour guide at the tar pits, I think. So I'm guessing that's where the sinkhole opens up. Mm-hmm. It's Yeah, I quite like the, the sound of that. I think it sounds wonderfully bonkers. There's another Law and Order coming called For the Defense, which is a spin-off which looks inside a criminal defense firm, putting lawyers under the microscope along with the criminal justice system. So we talked about that last week. That's coming. Ordinary Joe, which we've mentioned before, which is James Walk from the aforementioned Zoo. He stars as three different versions of the same leading character in a kind of sliding doors type way. So uh, three parallel lives with uh, the main character as he takes different paths made at pivotal crossroads in his life and you get to see what happens when I think one turns him into like a medic one's a rock star and one's something else so there's sort of these three different paths and you get to see him play each of those different roles so I think that sounds like a kind of interesting idea for a show and I think James Walt's quite watchable I think that could be an interesting one to keep an eye out for almost kind of sounds like what that one uh, Jason Scott show My Name is Earl but with a little different twist to it yeah quite possibly yeah then we've got Joe Exotic which I'm sure everybody remembers Tiger King it's basically a dramatization of Tiger King it's got Kate McKinnock playing Carol Baskin and Joe Cameron Mitchell who was in the Good Fighting Girls playing Joe I don't know whether this is particularly necessary in any way shape or form we had Tiger King so and everybody knows the story so yeah but the, the thing is is that there's like 20 or 30 insane things about that whole group of cast of characters that never made it into documentary <laughs> you just finished watching it up didn't you a few months ago yeah I, not that recently but uh, yes I came to it way later than everybody else here. Yeah, because I remember when uh, Gray was on your podcast talking about it and he so undersold how absolutely mental that documentary is. Yes. Like for the Carol Baskins, you know, there's a husband that's still missing and then the man that she's still married to. Well, she had a boyfriend in between those two and that boyfriend has a restraining order against her. (laughs) A lot of weird stuff involved in that. Mm. The kind of scumbaggy Vegas guy that came in like late and basically just, you know, swiped the park out from under him. Mm. Before that, he had uh, borrowed some construction equipment from somebody and sold it without their permission. And then when that person sued the scummy guy to get his equipment back, his house mysteriously burned to the ground. Wow. And that's like two of just, if you, you there's like a, a rabbit hole you could go down on this that'll <laughs> take you hours. So yeah, is it sensationalist? Yeah, is it necessary? Probably not, but it's far from being, you know, picked clean of yeah. just insane things. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so well, that, that's coming. Fox have got that and 
and it's also going to be on the USA Network and Peacock. So it's got shared around quite a lot. So I imagine that will come somewhere over here. They've got a couple more things that they picked up as well. American Auto, which is set in the headquarters of a major American automotive company in Detroit, where a floundering group of executives try to rediscover the company's identity amidst a rapidly changing industry. Having seen bits and pieces of this, I kind of get the vibe of something like Superstore, but set in an American automotive company or the office, but set in an American automotive company. So I I don't know. But uh, yeah, that's been picked up. So that would be one. There's one called Grand Crew, which really doesn't give anything away. Just says a group of black friends unpacks the ups and downs of life and love in a wine bar. Who knows from a description like that? But it has got Echo Kellum in it, who you will know from the Arrowverse and Nicole Breyer, Aaron Jennings, Cole Tart, and Justin Cunningham are the cast for that. And True Story, which is a hybrid comedy unscripted show which sees everyday Americans sit down with Ed Helms and Randall Park to share their most extraordinary and unbelievable true stories. The stories then get heightened, dramatised and reenacted of cinematic proportions by a cast of top comedians and actors. So it sounds a bit like drunk history without the drinking and without the history, if that kind of makes sense. Yeah, I mean, anything with a Randall Park in it, I'll give it you know half a chance because he's hilarious in everything that I've seen him do. So. That- most people probably like recognize him from his uh, MCU ties as uh, Agent Wu. Right. He is very, very good at that. Yeah, I mean, that that looks like it's going to be uh, quite fun, that series. We'll have to see whether that pops up anywhere. And then uh, CW only at the moment picked up one series. They've got a bunch of pilots that they are looking at, but uh, the only thing they picked up is a remake of the 4400, which I talked about before, but basically 4400 people disappear and they reappear again. And what's interesting about this, of course, is we've seen a million different versions of this story play out in one way or another in a million different TV shows since the 4400 first release. Currently playing out now with a manifest. Well, yeah, exactly. We've had it happen with manifest. There was one that ran for one season on what ABC, I think it was last year, or was it USA Network or something? There's been various ones over the years. So it's sort of interesting coming back to the kind of thing that was almost the original version of it to get them to do that again. But, you know, I mean, I thought they did a reasonable job with Roswell, New Mexico. I quite enjoyed that. So, yeah, we'll see how they do with this. I mean, if anybody could do it, it's the CW, I would have thought. So uh, we'll see how that turns out. But um, yeah, anything particular out of all those that you sort of leaps out at you as something that you want to watch? True story. I'm definitely going to check out because, like I said, I am a big fan of Randall Park. Um, Joe Exotic, I'll at least give it one episode just to see how insane they go into the insanity. Because, <laughs> yeah. like I said before, like there's several YouTube videos that have popped up since then and if you want to go down that rabbit hole just know that the mental stuff did not make the netflix show there's so much insanity in that it doesn't even make sense of why you would leave this out they might not have had enough time i know somebody here locally where i live in indiana he's a retired police officer he's got kind of an adjunct documentary that he's finished filming on that and he's trying to pitch so (laughs) it'll be interesting to see if that makes it or not so wow but yeah that that is a well that never dries out yeah i mean i am interested to see it and uh, see where they go with that because everybody knows the story because so many people saw that netflix series i think that's going to be interesting in terms of the other shows la brea i do want to see because i think it sounds wonderfully silly ordinary joe i'm quite interested in as well i think that could be quite good and i do like the sound of true story as well i think that's going to be quite good so there's some interesting stuff coming up we'll have to uh, see where they end up landing over here because of course there's no guarantee that they'll all come straight over so that's all the news we've got for this week. Let's move on to some highlights for next week on TV. 
Highlights for next week. We have uh, Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous that is back for its third season. That's on the 21st of May on Netflix, uh, UK and worldwide for that one. Big Sky Season 1B. So uh, finally returns to Big Sky on Star on Disney+. Plus. That one's on the 21st of May. That is back. Marvel's Modoc That is coming to Star on Disney+, Plus on the 21st as well, which has Patton Oswalt doing the voice of supervillain Modoc who's pursuing his dreams of one day conquering the world solos which is a character driven anthology series which is coming to amazon prime on the 21st ridiculous cast lineup they've got for that i think for that alone it's probably worth looking at and city on a hill that comes to sky atlantic for its second season that's on the 25th of may at 9 p.m for that so uh, most of that stuff coming out on friday city on a hill on the 25th of may at 6 p.m on sky atlantic for that that's all the shows to look out for if they want to hear more of your stuff where can they find you well i don't do anything really solo i don't stream on twitch or anything so mostly you can find me with matt on uh, random gaming talk over at entertainment talk matt streams all the time on twitch under etalk so you can catch him there occasionally i'll pop in add some commentary to whatever he's doing kind of <laughs> like a mst3k style thing <laughs> uh but yeah i well i do i've been podcasting off and on since like early 2007 i don't really do the whole online thing a whole lot i'm a pretty private person in that matter so you're not going to find me anywhere a whole lot yeah so go and find him over at entertainment talk dog with matt there's uh, loads and loads of podcasts over there and random gaming talk and he pops up on a couple of other shows as well so you can go and find him with matt over there bex of course the wonderful and brilliant bex who um he's doing brilliant brilliant work over on twitch.tv forward slash trista bites that's b-y-t-e-s she's streaming daily various days of the week she's streaming so much at the moment i'm struggling to get a back on the podcast because she's got a ton of other stuff lined up a whole bunch of different things right now so proud of how well she's doing she's go and check her out streaming over there because they're hilariously funny that's uh, bex at twitch.tv forward slash trista bites you can go and find daryl over at hollywoodnorthnews.net and uh, that's for all the tv shows that you love that are shot up in canada he's got lots of news up on there and for us you can find us at geektown.co.uk throughout the week and see all the latest air date information if you want to get in touch with your questions or comments email us on podcast at geektown.co.uk leave a message on the website post find us at geektown on twitter on facebook at facebook.com forward slash geektown on youtube at youtube.com forward slash geektown and on instagram at geektown uk that is everything we shall see you next week bye 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 Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.